Young Lion Cast with me, your host, Rob Goodwin, and I'm joined, as always, by Chris O'Brien. How are you, Chris? I'm fine. I was talking to you about this before we came on. I'm really excited about the prospect of Nazi Simmery and Sashimov Martina being in the same ring. You have. You're very, very excited about this. Can you talk to everyone about your Catch-22 at the moment? Right, so tomorrow we are recording um, a podcast I've been looking forward to for, what, a month now? Um, we're, <laughs> um, we're recording for Progress Chapter 55, and I was like, yes, I'm finally getting these lads to watch Progress. Garth's already pulled out, fucker. And <laughs> the things he'll I, do to disappoint you. And I, and I was like, I've already watched the show, so I can give thoughts of other matters, but, you know, I should probably rewatch it for a podcast. And I'm sort of like, uh, I even need to finish watching that or watch the Stardom Currican Hall show. It's like a, it's like Smarky's choice. And... Smarky's choice. <laughs> that's definitely what that story should have been called. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Sophie, you're Mark. Just pick both. <laughs> Calling Sophie Sophie's choice a Mark. Hitting it good I, to start off with, I, I like it. I may have never seen that movie, so... I, I don't think I have. I get it, Weirdly, I get it mixed up with Charlotte's Web. Now, Charlotte's Web is about a spider, so I don't one know why favorite, I get these two mixed up. One of my favourite books as a child. Really? Yeah, but then the spider fucking died and it breaks your heart. For anyone who hasn't read Charlotte's Web and was going to read it, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, Rosebud is dead, um, Dumbledore dies, and um, Darth Vader is Luke's father. <laughs> we are here, obviously, ladies and gentlemen, just to gloss over Chris's ridiculous, like, anthology of spoilers then. Um, we're here to talk about King of Pro Wrestling 2019. It happened on Monday. Um, good show. The biggest show now before Wrestle Kingdom 14 and the extravaganza that that is going to be. But before we get into our review, we are going to talk some news. Now, first of all... This piece of news has come out today. It's been reported by a couple of sites. So Bushi Road, who, of course, are the parent company of New Japan Pro Wrestling at the moment, uh, have apparently made an offer to purchase Stardom. Now, there's no other details. This has been met with mixed reviews. On the one hand, you've got those people that remember the doomed purchase of Noah. Um, and then you have got those that are thinking, well, imagine stardom, but on a bigger and more well-produced level. Um, so, Chris, you are the stardom smark of Podmania. Um, where do you fall on either side? Do you want Bushy Road to purchase stardom, or are you happy with the product as it is? Well, the thing is, if Bushy Road bought it, I doubt things would change much, because like, a lot of Stardom revenue comes from merch because of the whole icon culture in Japan. It's weird. There's a Vice documentary about it. I, I recommend it. But it's a bit different from Noah because like Noah is sort of in direct competition with New Japan in that sense. So basically, it's like Raw and SmackDown. They're obviously going to make one a bit lesser than the other. Whereas with Stardom, they're not in direct competition. You're not going to have um, Mayo Watani going up against Minoru Suzuki. Although... Oh my god. Anyway, um, it's not <laughs> like they're probably going to keep a big brand. They're going to be still, it's going to be very separate brands. I don't think it would be as bad as the Noah purchase because, with the exception of like Marafuji versus Okada, so but that thing sort of fell the fuck apart. 
and half of and Noah was in a pretty bad place after that. Like it's only now where I'm actually starting to hear people talk about Noah mm. after all this time. Because like, but still, basically, Marafuji is the only thing I know about Noah, which is weird. But it's it's not the same thing. I, honestly, I would like to see Sardom on a much bigger um, plane because it is just amazing and fun and stupid sometimes. Nazi summary for an example. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like honestly, I don't know how they treat it, but I don't. I genuinely, in my heart, don't think it's going to be be half as bad as the Noah stuff. So, I, cautiously optimistic if it goes through. I think it's the best way to describe it. Yeah, I mean, surely, stardom on a bigger scale to a wider audience is nothing but a good thing. The women that perform on the roster are absolutely fantastic from what little bits I've seen of stardom, and surely deserve that exposure. Um. There's been talk on the Twitterverse about how they're going to have stardom matches on the Wrestle Kingdom card. Um, that's too bad. They, they need filler because I've seen what, what's been announced for Wrestle Kingdom so far is a tiny bit desperate. Like it's not. It's they made clear it's not like his last match, but he's having a ten man match with um, Sasuke and all that in there. Like all these old lads who can't move and Taguchi. Well, I don't know. I I disagree with you, but. We'll get on to that a little bit later because obviously we are going to talk about the recent Wrestle Kingdom 14 press conference. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, to fill two shows at the Tokyo Dome, you've got to have two fairly stellar cards. You can't fill the Tokyo Dome just on the fact that it's Wrestle Kingdom, especially not, you know, effectively 80,000 tickets, even though, the, you know, a lot of them will be returning customers from night one. Um, there's got to be some kind of hook. And obviously there is... It's pretty much confirmed now what you know the whole premise of this of these two nights is going to be, and obviously you've got Liger's last match, which of course has been announced, or one of them he will have another match on night two, which has just got to be Hiromu, but we'll get into that later. Um, next bit of news, and it actually sort of goes in hand in hand with this, is that again with Pro Wrestling Noah. Um, it's been reported by Dave Meltzer that WWE have recently tried and failed to buy Pro Wrestling Noah in order to start NXT Japan. Um, however, it is expected that WWE is to make some kind of major announcement regarding Japan this coming Friday. Um, so, what that is going to be, we don't know. There is no other information at all. Um there is huge concern, obviously, uh, amongst the majority of wrestling fans because of what's happened with the UK wrestling scene and with NXT UK effectively hoovering up talent from companies and putting companies like Defiant out of business. So, and obviously, you know, people who watch ICW and Progress have already felt the heat of, you know, not being able to have people on certain shows. You've had this issue with um, that William Regal is currently dealing with for... What is that company called? I can't Southside. Southside, is it? Yeah, Southside. To be fair, Southside isn't much of a promotion. Joseph Connors was their biggest star. Well, yeah, exactly. But you, you sort of see what I mean. And there is a very, very strong contingent of wrestling fans that feel that this is going to happen in Japan as well. And obviously you fear instantly for New Japan and things like that. What do you think of this? What do you think the announcement's going to be, Chris? Where do you... 
what do you think of the failed purchase of Noah? Talk to me. <laughs> right. So first of all, it's a very different setup in Japan than it is over here. Like, there's no company over here where someone just wrestling for that company makes a living. Whereas, seemingly, there's three, four or five, six options for, well, um, depend, gender depending in Japan where you can go to make a full time living. Like, if your contract, tends to have your contractor to know in New Japan or Japan or Dragon Gate, you're pretty set. Like, it's basically a living wage at that point. You don't need to go work in these. So, like, it's a very different map. There's a lot more people in. Japan tied down to the contracts to navigate rather than over here where it's all like indies like progress ICW have they have regulars but we don't really have a standard roster if you get me yeah so it's a bit harder to break through so break through to so like WWE going the route of trying to just straight up buy is probably not a bad idea and like in terms of actual rosters no is probably your best bet because they, from what I understand, there's actually more stars that people care about as opposed to old fan where it's basically all Kento all the time. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Like, I don't see this going half as well as NXT UK. Like, NXT UK in itself isn't doing amazingly. They're basically just doing it to sort of curb competition. And because they did, and I just, I really don't see how it could remotely go well. Because even if we need to look at, like, maybe we could throw Nakamura over there, maybe Kushida, but they're not going to, on their own, make it a viable product. But it seems like something that if it does remotely go through, it's probably going to fail. Something that was widely reported was that the only way to break through in Japan was to purchase a company because you there's no way that a startup company would get anywhere near the companies that are already there, which is what you've alluded to. Uh, other names... Uh, thrown out there was Sendai Girls. That was also thrown out there as an option. That's where Satamora is, isn't it? Say again, sorry? That's where Mako Satamora is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, to be fair, that's a pretty decent roster then. Yeah. But like, that's just division, and WWE aren't going to have an all-women's show. NXT Japan is not going to be in a women's-only show. It, it just isn't. Especially not if they want to have the same sort of attempted monopoly on Japan that they've got in the UK, which they won't have because there are far bigger companies in Japan. You know, you look at New Japan, even, you know, Dragon Gate and, you know, to a certain extent, All Japan. I know it's not nowhere near the behemoth it was in the 90s, but they are three companies, huge companies in their own right. You look at the British wrestling scene, there was no equivalent to that. What, what, what has Britain got? Progress, ICW, RevPro. They are yeah, probably our biggest companies. In the case of Britain, so Progress and um, ICW run an arena show like three times between them. Like they're not, they don't, like it's easy for someone beside the WWE to come into the UK and basically take it over. Whereas, uh, whereas over there in um, Japan, there's, A, there's a building problem. There's not as many big arenas and there's not as many cities where it's really viable to run. It's not like here where like you go anywhere and you're going to get a decently sized crowd. No. Whereas over there, like, every, there's a show on at Corican Hall basically every day. And like just trying to get into that is just going to be impossible. Like literally the only course of action is to buy a couple companies and have them as the roster. Although I would on the Subject of it being an all-girls thing, I would like to see WWE's take on a Joshi promotion. Well, 
to be honest, after their complete balls up of Bray Wyatt and the Fiend character, I don't want to see WWE's take on absolutely fucking anything. So to be completely Rob NXT is very different. I don't give a shit. I do not give a single iota of a shit. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> go on. Complaining. Get to your top ten favorite wrestlers. It's not Bray Wyatt's fault. It's not <laughs> Bray Wyatt's fault. Um, but I'm... he's been sacrificed because they can't get Seth fucking Rollins over. They can't get one of the best wrestlers in the company over. So they are doing they it at get... the expense of the person that everyone fucking wants. They're doing this draft. I'm sorry, yes, this is turning into a little bit of a WWE rant. They're doing this amazing draft, this big draft, and saying, yes, these are completely exclusive rosters. On October the 31st, they've got Bray Wyatt versus Seth Rollins. Bray Wyatt's on fucking SmackDown. You've completely negated the whole need for a fucking draft in the first place, you fucking idiots. You done? You're fine? You're all right? Calm? Yeah, let's talk about some proper fucking wrestling. Right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> um, we've moved past WWE. We're going to talk, of course, the main reason that we're here is to talk about King of Pro Wrestling that went down on Monday, October the 14th, 2019 from Ryogoku in Tokyo. The attendance was listed as 9,573, which they've listed as no vacancy, which is about as close to a sellout as you're possibly going to get. Um, Chris... Overall yes. opinion of this show? It was all right. It was good. Decent B show for what it is. Like, yeah, results were pretty predictable, but also that's always the case in a show going into Tokyo Dome. So, yeah, they list, they explain that the IWGP Heavyweight Championship hadn't changed hands at King of Pro Wrestling since 2004. Was it 15 where Hiroshi Tanahashi won it off AJ Styles? Yeah, and then AJ went on to face Nakamura and that made the match. But yeah, yeah. So, you know, at no point, and I think this was, you know, we'll get into the main event a bit later, but I think this was slightly to the detriment of the main event. Nobody, nobody in the entire of Japan and anyone watching on New Japan World thought that Sonata was walking out of this with the title. Similarly, nobody in their right mind thought Evil was going to walk away with the contract. Um, again, they made a very, very clear point of the fact this is the commentary team that no one has dropped the G1 contract. So again, they pretty much telegraphed that Evil wasn't going to get it. Um, and then, of course, you know, you're not going to have Osprey drop the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship to someone who is already the IWGP Tag Team Champion. So you're right, Chris. To a certain extent, a lot of the results were very predictable. Um, did it affect your opinion of the matches or? Um, no, like a lot of New Japan stuff is quite, like once you recognise New Japan's booking, a lot of the time results are very predictable, it's still, you're sort of there for how solid the wrestling is. Yeah, absolutely, let's get into it then. So the first match was El Desperado's comeback, and we had the Suzuki Gun team of El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru defeating Rapongi 3K with El Desperado getting the pinfall over show with a pinche loco after 10 minutes and 44 seconds. Chris, how good is it to see Despy back? <laughs> it was really good. I thought he was spanking Yo right at the beginning. Yes, he was. Very, very peculiar. <laughs> very it's peculiar. Like, it's like, I do what you want to do in your private time, lads, but like you have, you have a match to win. <laughs> it was almost as weird as seeing a member of Suzuki Gun getting the amount of a pop that he got. 
Yeah. But to be fair, he's pretty fucking boss, isn't he? He is amazing. The fact that he came he out... The fact that he came out wearing the same shirt that he got injured in, complete with bloodstains, that's fucking brilliant. It's also a bit fucking mank, isn't it? It is slightly rank. And he has washed that shirt in six months. It's fucking horrible. Absolutely disgusting. No, I was talking to someone about um, Chelsea Green's thing in Impact, where she was like wearing the wedding dress and the makeup and all that. And, he, and the dude was like, oh, it's fucking hot, isn't it? I'm like, not really. It means she hasn't washed it in years. <laughs> Um, and do you know what this match absolutely nothing special whatsoever it was your standard Suzuki gun fair um, Rapongi 3k continued to look good heading into the tag league go on we saw this match like 10 times in the last year exactly it was it was never going to be anything special Desperado didn't take any ridiculous bumps as you know you would hope he wouldn't there was one cool spot where he played on his broken jaw um, before sort of suckering show in but yes we had the Suzuki, Suzuki Gun team go over a decent match uh, for what it was. I'd give it five stars, Chris. Yeah, I'd give it, yeah, five. Maybe six, just because I'm happy to see Desky back. <laughs> so, have an extra point, you crazy mass weirdo. Are we, are we giving it six? I'll go for six. All right. I'm feeling in a generous mood today. I'm feeling in a good mood today, Chris. Let's give it a fucking six. Um, we then moved on to the second match. Again, a tag team encounter. Hiroshi Tanahashi, 20th anniversary, the fourth match in this series with Tanahashi's team of Hiroshi Tanahashi and Tomoaki Homma defeating the team of Togi Makabe and Toriano, the most violent players. Tanahashi getting the pinfall over Yano with a high-fi flow after 9 minutes and 43 seconds. I was not interested one jot in this match, Chris, but the commentary team actually did a good job in selling me on this match. And do you know why that was? Because they had Chris Charlton on there. I love Chris Charlton. <laughs> His encyclopedic knowledge of New Japan just has me invested so much. I've n I haven't cared about Tomoaki Homma since New Beginning in Sendai in 2015. Okay? And I didn't even know that match existed until you made me watch it a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> so, to actually care about... Oh, there's quite an interesting dynamic between him and Makabe. Obviously, their GBH connections and things like that. And how is it going to be... How are they going to work out this match? There was a brilliant moment where Homer is taking too long going for the Kokeshi, so Makabe just pushes him over, which was hilarious. Um, but yeah, this match, Chris. Opinion. Um... I, I don't have many notes for this match. It was sort of a nothing match. There was some Yanabolics. There was some stuff. To be the double Takeshi thing was cute. Like, the fact that he never hits it is also cute. But, like, this match is never going to be anything because both Makabe and um, Hamna can't really move. Tana, his legs are basically jelly at this point, and Yano's Yano. Yeah, it... it... <laughs> Obviously, this was just to celebrate Hiroshi Tanahashi's 20 years in the ring. Um, I thought it was nice that Makabe was in... Did they say Makabe was in the first match with Tanahashi? Yeah, I think they did. So, you know, that's a nice throwback. That's fine. But yeah, you're absolutely right. This match was absolutely nothing to write home about. The most exciting thing in this match was when Tanahashi hit the high fly flow. So, Yano's depressed in real life? I hope not. I like to look at Yano and just... Do you know what? I know... There are people out there who hate Yano, and in the G1, they can't understand why he's in the G1. I find him genuinely entertaining in the G1. Really yeah, he's, entertaining. 
He's entertaining to the point where he knocks people out, and then I, and that's like the one time I get really annoyed at. But hit, some of the G1 matches, they get quite predictable. However, Toriyano's matches, he could literally beat anyone, and that's his charm. You know, he's a, an effable goof, but he could quite legitimately beat Tetsuya Naito, which he did, which was ridiculous. And Jay White. And which... Jay White. <laughs> the fucking block, finally. What's amazing... My thing is, um, when I was at Ring of Honor um, that Yano was on, um, he was sitting next to Tanahashi, and he looked quite depressed because no one was going up to him because we were all going up to Tana. To be fair, when you're sitting next to possibly the greatest pro wrestler to come out of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and, you know, I don't say that lightly, you know, he dragged them kicking and screaming out of the noughties. Um, You know, that's like... I'm not going to reference football because you've got no fucking idea what football <laughs> is, so I'm not even going to bother. Um, but you get my drift. You're not going to get noticed when you're next to Tanahashi, no matter who the fuck you are. Um, I mean, Chris, what can we give this? I mean, I feel bad giving it a three. No, I was going to go four. Do you want to go like, four? Okay. Some stuff. It was just a bit dumb apart from the cute stuff. Nothing went particularly wrong. That's fair enough. Okay, we'll get we'll give it four. And a homna match, but that is true. Yeah, for a homna match, fair <laughs> Very enough. Bad. Um, we then moved on to the third match on the card, which again was a tag team match with the Los Ingenobles de Japon team of Shingo Takagi and Tetsuya Naito defeating the Suzuki Gun team of Taichi and Doki, which I'll still call him, uh, in nine minutes via disqualification. Um, are we really, really seeing Naito versus Taichi again? I'm just happy Taichi's getting a getting a platform to be honest this was your very very standard lij suzuki match if new japan is like this would headline a smaller town in japan (sighs) i just um don't see the point having a match with doki in it and not having doki take the pin yeah, I thought they telegraphed that slightly, to be perfectly honest. It's the same with the match later on in the card, which, we'll, again, we'll go into in a moment. But this was clearly there just to set up the Naito versus Taichi storyline. I like what they're doing here, the fact that, you know, Taichi did cut that little bit of a promo on Naito at the end by saying he was weak um, and that that was the reason he'd lost the IC title and that was the reason he wasn't going to be a double champion. And I feel like we're sort of, you know, we're building Naito to defeat the odds. And I like that. And obviously Naito is going to beat Taichi at Power Struggle. Sorry, Chris. Um, Fuck off. <laughs> but this match was literally just a vehicle for that. Shingo the, is still incredible and moves so fucking quickly. Um, and he was, for me, the one shining light of this match. You say that. In the post-match, that backdrop that Naito took from Taichi looked fucking brutal. It did. That's because Naito apparently does not know how to take a back bump without taking it on either A, his head, or B, his neck. Also, um, I need, I like how sort of Mio Abi sort of reacts to everything. Like when Doki fucked off into the crowd, she was like, oh no. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> going to, she's genuinely concerned about things around her. When they were walking back up the ramp and she's looking back at LIJ sort of like, I'm so sorry. And then she'll look at Tai Chi and be like, Oh, Tai Chi. So it's like a horrible dichotomy between the two. It's brilliant. She she does play a good part. thing is, my brother walked in right as Tai Chi came out. Try explaining and that I, to a non-wrestling fan. 
No, exactly. And so, no, to actually to most wrestling fans, it probably doesn't make sense to be honest. Like it's one of those cases where like porn would literally be easier to explain. <laughs> It's the same feeling I get most of the time when I'm, if I'm watching like a DDT clip. It's like, no, please don't ask me questions about what's on the screen. Just get out. Get out. It's wrestling, Mom, I swear. Um, <laughs> I was like, he's my favourite in this company. He just tutted in the last. To be fair, that's how I feel whenever you remind me that Taichi's your favourite in the but company. I, I fucking... He's, he's a reminder that wrestling can be fun. But also... He's just amazing, Rob. He has an amazing moveset. Um, puts together some great matches. Dragged a great series of Thomas Hiro Ishii, which we can both agree is is a downer on the New Japan roster. Uh, <laughs> I cannot believe I can hear... that you are single-handedly giving Tai Chi all credit for a series with possibly, what, top three most consistent workers in that company? I mean, Tai Chi's just amazing. What can I say? I will grant so, you that Tai Chi has greatly grown on me. Greatly grown I, on me. I think it's because you have me about, and you've just sort of got Stockholm Syndrome. He's like, you're like, yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> Do that. I'm really jealous of Mio Abi because it's just her job to follow him about. Do that. I'm pretty sure I'm taller than Tai Chi, so I'd probably look a bit weird if I was following him. <laughs> I will say that his strikes are very, very good. I do enjoy yeah. his striking it, game. His kicks are really good. Like they, they live up to the Kawada namesake. Well, not quite. Glad Jesus Christ, Kawada's kicks. But um, his last ride is probably the best last ride going. Do you prefer it to Ish- uh, Ibushi's? I I wouldn't. I'd say I prefer it to Ibushi's. If Ibushi's ever won a fucking match anymore. Fair enough. Fair enough. Aside from the fact that Tai Chi is in this match, Chris, <laughs> what are you giving it? To be honest, it was nothing. Like even the pumping bombers in this match were a bit meh. It was very much a phoning in, wasn't it? As soon as Naito didn't take off his shirt, it was like, right, we're we're having a phoning in match, are we? Like it's very often. Like how often? How much is Naito going to try for? Is the shirt off? So yeah, I'd give it a four to be honest. I was pretty bored until the post-match stuff, which I'm not factoring into the match itself. No, but again, that's. Obviously, why the match was put on. Nobody, nobody watched King of Pro Wrestling to watch the third match on the card, the tag match. But the story that they've set up and the story they're persisting to set up with Naito just not being able to get it done is a good one. I think Taichi is the perfect person to sort of begin that almost rise to redemption. And, you know, it's it's ultimately. I'm sure of like Naito's going to end up drinking. Well, either that, yeah. He's just going to end up... They're not even in the same stable, but he's hanging out with Kanemaru on packing the fucking whiskey. <laughs> well, fingers crossed this does result in, you know, him winning the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, not drinking with uh, Kanemaru. I want to see alcoholic now. I'm not going <laughs> um, to... We then moved on to one of the most anticipated matches on the card, and it was the special singles match between Jushin Thunder Liger and Minoru Suzuki with Suzuki picking up the win over Liger in 17 minutes and 38 seconds with the Gotch-style pile driver. First things first, no Kishin Liger, Battle Liger appeared. Battle Liger. I don't think I've ever seen a Battle Liger match where he's won, to be honest. 
I mean, he didn't just not win, Chris. I'm not being funny, but Suzuki pretty much handed his ass to him. Yeah, that always happens when a junior goes against a heavyweight, though. You, yes, which is absolutely fair enough, but of course, they've they pretty much said that Suzuki versus Liger is not going to be the match at Wrestle Kingdom, which at one point people thought it was going to be. Then people assumed it was going to be Kishin Liger, and then with all the post-match stuff, we are to believe that there is going to be one more match between them. Um, whether that is on... Well, it's going to have to be on a Road 2 show or Power Struggle. Um, I don't know what which way is going to go, but the fact that Suzuki won so dominantly and so so quickly as well. That finishing stretch literally lasted no no time at all before he hit the pile driver. Um, it was quite jarring, really. It was, but that being said, I really enjoyed this match because it was basically the story of Liger holding on. And, like, he didn't get that fiery comeback with, that he had in, like, the Tai Chi match and the Super Genius, but it was, like, sort of a dressing down of Liger, which I did quite in... I did, I did really enjoy, enjoy this because, like, if a few hope spots Liger had, you wanted him to fucking win more than you wanted your next breath. Oh, one, 100%. I am, a, I am 100% in love with Suzuki, but I was a Liger fan throughout this. I wouldn't fall in love with Suzuki. I imagine he'd hurt you. He would, yeah, definitely. Um, but, yeah, there, there was no real... It was a very submission-based game. I enjoyed the opening where both men took turns in sitting down and they said, right come on, give me your best shot. And the fact that Liger participated <laughs> in that and said, you know, basically just squared up to Suzuki and said, I'm not fucking scared of you. I don't give a shit if you're a heavyweight and I'm a junior. We're doing this and we're doing it properly. I really enjoyed, I like, I enjoyed the brawling on the outside because like nothing, like nothing was stupid in this. It did actually seem like a fight. Like Liger wanted to actually prove he could beat Suzuki. Like there's no shame in being a dude who can't beat Suzuki. No, like, I get not. basically I've beaten Suzuki nowadays, fucking hang my page with beating Suzuki, but I I, know, I I really enjoyed this match, but I don't have very extensive notes because I got so into it. Like, it, I was sitting there the whole time just waiting for Liger to come, for a comeback that never came, but that sort of helped punctuate the match, really. Like, you know, like, I think Liger's definitely want to go in out on his back. So, I, I have no problem with this, seeing Bath Liger, I think. I was like, ah! Do we I think we're going to get... Go on. I think, like, you never see Battle Light. Although the, the, most, other, the most prevalent time Battle Light has turned up was fucking Shinya Hashimoto, and of course that didn't end quite well for him. No, true. True story. Do you want to see another match between Liger and Suzuki with Liger potentially coming to the ring as Kishin Liger? Maybe, but like if you came to the ring as Kishin Liger, I feel it would have to be a death match. Say for argument's sake now that it's Suzuki at Wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom 14, the second night. Say that his singles match is against Suzuki. What do you want to see? One of them to fucking die. So you want that death match then? Yeah, that's the thing. I would love to see. It's not going to happen because Leg is not a death match guy. Um, too bad, neither Suzuki. Well, not in the Japanese sense of a death match. Jesus fucking Christ. 
But that's something I'm making you watch. By the way, I'm going to make you watch a death match at some point. Oh, lovely. But <laughs> fucking king of death match. What fucking cactus jack die? But I don't. I don't feel we can go much more than this. Like maybe a line of victory, but also I. Don't, I think it would actually not help Suzuki at all to be beaten by Liger. Okay. Now, like, obviously, and after that tag match at the Dome. Um, Hiromi is going to return there. So you don't think we're going to get it announced until the until the first night of Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, because like I think a surprise like that would be a great hurt going into the second night. Like if people weren't convinced already. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, obviously Suzuki won. Got style power driver. Post match, we then got Suzuki basically showing the ultimate respect to Liger and then Liger taking to the microphone and saying, thank you, Suzuki. Yeah, what a super, fucking I love, moment. I love how Charlton puts it over. Fucking Kelly and Gino Combino can fuck off. But um, what, um, he was like, oh yeah, that was an ultimate show of weakness from Suzuki and his sort of rushing away and reflecting about it. I'm like, I love you, Chris Charlton. Can you please just take over from Kevin Kelly? Bring Don Callis back, and it'll be a perfect commentary scene. <laughs> um, what are we giving this then, Chris? I'd give it an eight. I really, really enjoyed it. Okay, I don't have a problem with it being an eight. I'd given it a seven, but yeah, eight, why not? We then moved on to the fifth match, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match with the champion, Will Ospreay, retaining against El Fantasmo after 27 minutes and 58 seconds with Stormbreaker. First thing, I popped big when I realised Ospreay's got his fucking music back. I fucking know. Right, what the fuck was it from the whole G1? It's probably the best theme. It actually isn't the best theme in New Japan right now. Mm, oh, no. I love Ibushi. I love Ibushi's. I love um, Evil's. I think Evil's is mint. Um, I like El Phantasmo's. Shingo's my favourite LJ theme. Oh, Shingo's is good. Um, but yeah, it's it's not blocked anymore, so that was a fucking big pop. Um, what did you think about Good Guy Phantasmo? It's almost as good as Good Guy Tamatongas. It was almost as good. Not quite, though. Phantasmo couldn't keep it going too long. Like, um, I do like how, like, that was obviously a mind game. Because as soon as Kevin Kelly read it out as an angle, I'm like, well, clearly this is going to descend at some point. And then it did. Um, but, yeah, it was it was funny. Um, so I'm, I'm fine of it. Yeah. It was fun. I thought he did quite well with it. Um, I enjoyed the, oh my God, I thumped him in the eye by accident. I thought that was quite funny. The constant attempting <laughs> to shake the hand. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then he shook hands with the referee to prove that he wasn't lying. And then, of course, Phantasmo turned and we got a usual El Phantasmo match. They brawled all over the fucking place, um, including... Oh, Go on. Like, no, yeah, that's all the fuck over. It's all fucking nowhere, it's off limits. Um, literally, on top of the fire escape to the bottom of the arena, they were fighting, they were having a striking exchange, and Osprey ended up hanging from the barriers, which was just, it was such a great look. I've never seen 
someone so good at almost falling for an off-break. And I think he just has the ultimate confidence in his balance. So, like, when he almost falls, you're actually thinking, oh, fuck, he's about to fall. Is it just me? Or was this the stiffest Will Ospreay match you've seen in a while? Um, yeah, Ospreay was actually wrestling like he hates. Because, like, if you base it off of Hidden Blade, this is probably the stiffest he's worked since the first Ibushi match. Oh, my fucking God, that Hidden Blade. Jesus Christ. Um, we will get into that in a moment, um, right at the very, very end. Um, we've Obviously, we had the Bullet Club interference. I... Was there a need in this match? And this is something that really annoys me about Phantasma because the opening exchange between these two was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Oh, it was worked at such a pace. Um, when Osprey got thrown out and um, Phantasma started celebrating and then quick as a fucking hiccup, fucking got, he got phenomenal forearm. Jesus. It, it's brilliant. I mean, the entire first portion of that match was excellent. And then, of course, we got... Greatly. Does Osprey need... Sorry, not Osprey. Does Phantasmo need to do, in every single match, the rope walk and the low blow? Yeah, but does, it's too fair. It's the same with... Well, going to that later, like, yeah, it's... He does repeat his spots quite a lot. And it's sort of a case of why. You don't need to make... Like, you can make a match compelling about doing that shit. Exactly, and it's sort of... It, I don't like the rope-walking spot because there's absolutely no time. That does take me out of an El Phantasma match, and it does with Lance Archer, which we'll get on to later. Wonderfully amazing as it is to see a six-foot-nine behemoth walking the ropes, no one is that stunned that they are going to watch you walk the entire length of the ring before knocking you off. It, it just takes me out of it. It's a personal gripe. I don't like it, and... You're right, Chris. I don't think Phantasmo does need to do it in every match. Yano, it's his finishing fucking move, and he doesn't use it in every match. So I just feel like he doesn't need to. Um, we then yeah. had the interference with Ishimori and with Eagles and springboarding in. I love how they're making Eagles into this star. He's going to be a future star of the junior heavyweight division once Osprey goes. Um, we then got some. To me, at the end of this match, Phantasmo looked like he was blowing. It was a wee bit, but to be fair, not many people have the stamina of an Osprey. No, and that's, you know, again, it's a very small thing. It's very different. It was like when people used to work with Omega, when Omega was on, you know, the height of his best bout machine in New Japan. Not many people <laughs> could keep up with him. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, he did start to struggle. Um there was some that fucking powerbomb spot from the top rope. Um, I think Phantasmo's still somewhere going down into the earth. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that old meme. He just goes, nah, and then um, <laughs> also, um, I like the subversion of Phantasmo's groin um, free of the world spot, where he was celebrating above Osprey, and Osprey just kicks up and chucks him across the ring with the Germans. But I thought that was amazing. Oh, that was a that was that was a beautiful, beautiful move. It might be my favourite move of the match. Um, that was, of course, until we got to the fucking hidden blade. Now, basically, <laughs> the hidden blade is Osprey removing, if he doesn't like you, his elbow pad, 
and then forearming the living shit out of the back of your head. Now, the I one... The Rocky match where he took it off and then it's like, nah, it's Rocky. I'll put it back on. Yeah, I don't want to kill the man. Um, now, the one he delivered to Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom 13 left the man with a concussion. This one, I'll be amazed if Phantasmo can walk. <laughs> because I'm not joking, the noise and the way Phantasmo's head snapped, it was absolutely grotesque. And the storm, what I liked, we talked about how Osprey wrestled that rougher style because he, he hates Phantasmo. That Stormbreaker wasn't perfect. It was no. literally a, I'm going to get you up and I'm going to get you the fuck down. And I quite enjoyed and that you're... dynamic. Um, you mentioned, we've sort of mentioned a lot of the Phantasmo bollocks in this match, but I kind of like it as a callback to Devitt, because Devitt didn't need to do half the bollocks he did, but he still did it. In every match, though? Well, there was a super genius Devitt did, um, where like basically all his matches had interference, and he went undefeated in the block. Like, he probably won the block anyway, but he had the interference for that sake. To go and Was that the year of the formation of Bullet Club? Yeah. Um, 2013. So. I'm, I'm very sketchy on the details. This is before I started watching. So, like, don't quote me, but I think so. Okay. I don't know. I just... He's he's a good wrestler, and he's getting better. Yeah. Um, he is getting better. Which is better than um, the Super Juniors match. I've given it a nine. I'd give it a 9-2. Like, honestly, the interference wasn't there, and if Phantasmo um, wasn't sort of getting gaffed, it might have been a 10. Yeah, I, it had the potential, didn't it? And it's it's just n- another chapter in the phenomenal year that Will Ospreay is having. I mean, the man is now, he's done New Japan Cup, he's done the best of the Super Juniors, he's done the G1 Climax, he's done the Super, it's done the Super Tag League, Junior Tag League. I mean... Is there anything this man isn't going to the Super J Cup? Fucking yeah, hell! Very good to with Aussie Open in progress as well with Paul Robinson by his side. I mean, is there anything this man isn't going to do this year? It wouldn't surprise me if he's in World Tag League. Yeah. To be fair, I think. He... <laughs> well, you've done everything else. You can sit out Tag League. <laughs> you can sit out Tag League. Um... That's what I fucking does. Yeah, that is true. Even the people competing. Tag team match last, uh, tag title match last year, and they sat out tag league. That is true. <laughs> so yeah, we then got to our sixth match, which to me was bafflingly high on the card, but that's beside the point. With the chaos team of Yoshihashi, Tomohiro Ishii, and Hiroki Goto defeating the Bullet Club team of Jay White. Kenta and Yujiro Takahashi in 12 minutes and 27 seconds after a GTR. We spoke earlier about how we thought that Dookie or Doki or whatever the fuck he's called um, was telegraphing that he was going to take the pinfall. Oh my god, it was so obvious Yujiro was taking the pinfall here. <laughs> Bless Yeah, because both sides had title, had basically had title matches coming up and then the Yujiro. <laughs> it was... What entertained me most was the Bullet Club did their thing where they're all going to tag out. You know, Goto wanted Jay White, so Jay White tagged out to Kenta. 
Ishii tagged in because he wanted Kenta, so Kenta tagged out to Yujiro, and we were left with the opening salvo of Yoshihashi taking on Yujiro Takahashi. If ever there was a singles match that no one fucking wants, it's Yoshihashi versus Yujiro Takahashi. The blandest of the bland openings. It's, I'm trying to think of it as a blander match. Like not, it because like it's not going to be a bad match, and even man really botches. It's not going to be like a Naganishi versus Homina. But at the same time, <laughs> at least in Naganishi versus Homina, there's a chance one of those men will die. Whereas, like they're both very safe, very boring workers. They are, and I think since Yoshihashi's injury, I still don't think he's giving it a hundred percent. If I'm being perfectly honest, I still think he's very. I think he still think he's quite reserved. I think he can, you know, he's not working as quickly as he did, and maybe that is the injury. I don't know. Maybe it'll come back, but at the moment, I mean, he he took on Kenta for the Never Openweight Championship at Fighting Spirit Unleashed, and I, I don't think for a minute anyone thought he was winning that, and it's a shame because he's been with the company a long time now. But people just don't, they just don't care. I mean, Kenta buried him in a post-match oh. interview where he just turned to the camera and said, "So." Yoshihashi, he's dull looking, isn't he? Bye. I mean, he's absolutely 100% correct, but... Oh, God. Did you see how fucking unforgiving the New York crowd was towards Yoshihashi? Yeah, it really... They really hated him. Really hated him. And the commentary team referenced it. If you were told, hey, you're getting a title match. Hey, Austin, we don't always get title matches in America. Who's in it? Yoshihashi. Oh, Bollocks. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, they they were both, both him and Yujiro were the least interesting components of what has yielded two very, very promising matches for uh, Power Struggle, which we'll get into in a moment. Uh, Ishii versus Kenta's little exchanges in the corner was fucking brilliant. I hope, fingers crossed, I feel like their match at Royal Quest was slightly spoiled by the fact that Kenta got dropped on his fucking dome and ended up pretty much unconscious for the entire match. Um, so the promise of a fully fit Kenta versus an Ishii is just, oh, it makes me happy inside. In fact, Ishii versus anyone makes you happy inside. I know, it really does. Chris, did you yes. see Goto's shirt? <laughs> I, yeah, no, because I, I, I skipped the entrance so I didn't see his fucking shirt. I saw it fucking... Jesus Christ. <laughs> the G, G, no, it's not even like... It's like G, G1, G is for Goto. And it's like, ah! Fucking, that's a direct translation of Babblefish or something. Jesus Christ. And, like, the design of the back, what the fuck even is that? I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. If, if, if Goto's got any sense, he's going to fire the person in charge of his merch designs. I mean... <laughs> Oh like, my god! He got a whole what's the Ladojo thing. <laughs> that was, was funny. Brilliant but also, with Naito. <laughs> but also, like, it's still like you're still repping something, and it reminds people of Shibata, which makes me not want to hate you. But fucking that fucking shirt! Like, is it the worst shirt currently in wrestling? I yes. cannot think of the worst. One hundred percent, yes. Like, and like, even WWE has some pretty fucking poor designs. But like, is there any as bad as that? Oh, no. I mean, that Neville one was fairly bad, where it was just yeah. the word Neville. Like, that wasn't, like, poorly designed. It was at least, like, symmetrical. <laughs> it's just... 
in G1 the G is for Goto it's like on the front it's like down the side so like if you're wearing a hoodie you'd be, no one would be able to see it it looks like a pyjama top <laughs> no if someone bought me that I'm like well that's what I'm wearing to bed <laughs> yeah we're talking about the shirt because genuinely the, ma- the not a lot happened in this match it's another one of those matches with a post angle is more interesting. But, like, I think, like, get after that graphics, and it's sort of like, Ghost should probably hire him. He'd make, he does, he, he knows fuck all about the New Japan product, but he'd probably make a better shirt. Kids in my class could produce a better shirt than that. How old are the kids you teach? Uh, 11. 11. Uh, to be fair, I know some pretty artistic 11 year olds. At least that's what I tell my niece. <laughs> It's like, oh, it's a giraffe. Is that a fucking big bunny? <laughs> it could have been a van. Who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, this match, again, means to an end. It was an all right match. We had the exchange between Goto and Jay White, and that was really fun. Goto proper gunning for Jay White, and I've already mentioned the exchanges between Ishii and Kenta. We then got the post-match uh, beatdown after Goto had pinned Yujiro with a GTR. That oh. moment, that just that brief moment where the commentary team are saying... Is it going to be a victory for Yujiro when everyone went, no, absolutely oh. not. <laughs> when was the last time Yujiro got a victory when he was when the person was the doing the pinning? When was the last time Yujiro got a pin? Um, he was in the 2018 Tag League with Hangman Page. He might have got he, one then. He must have, surely. He, his, his record must be dreadful. I'll look up his record now while you keep talking. Okay. So, obviously, we had Goto then challenging Jay White for the Intercontinental Championship. Jay White hilariously just went, no, Goto! No, no, no! (laughs) Exactly like that. The man is a superstar. You wanted to tell us, like, do you want a challenge? Yeah, I want a challenge. Well, no! (laughs) (laughs) Me? I'm the fucking best. Um, he's, Jay White is just the gift that keeps giving. He's brilliant. The progress he has made from Wrestle Kingdom 12 to where he is now is absolutely phenomenal. The man is a godsend. Very quickly, I'm looking at you, Joe, now, and you know how most of the time it will come up, you search wrestler, and the person that comes up is like, versus other. The person that comes up with you, Joe, is Valet, um, Peter, Bunny, Twitter, cage match, uh, manager. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me. People- it's just people looking for the bunny. Yeah, that's exactly why Yujiro's on there. He's literally Peter's valley. Valet. That's literally what he is. Um, I've never so- had a- Go on, sorry. I'm trying to think if he's ever had a really good match. Maybe he must have had one in the G1. Everyone had one really good G1 match. Was he. I imagine he had some pretty good matches when he was part of No Limit with Naito, maybe? No, they're a bit bollocks from what I've seen. Wow. Have we got his record right, up yet? Meltzer ratings on this on here, so I'll have a look for you. Okay. So, obviously, while Chris is looking for Yujiro's uh, uh, record and his star ratings, um, we are we then got Ishii and Kenta. Kenta basically oh, tempting got... Ishii. Oh, go on, go on. Um, so, in, like in New Japan, it is 45% losses. And 54% wins. And you have to realize most of these are on the side of tag matches. So, yeah, even in tag team. matches, it's doing too well. No. So, he's pretty much got a 50 50 record. He has a 70% win record in Melbourne. I think everyone has, haven't they? Anyone who <laughs> no, goes there but... from a minute. Suzuki's must be about 80 20. 
He has a 50% record in Ring of Honor. Overall, um, 45% um, wins, 54% losses, less than a percent draws. So. Jesus Christ. Um, he has no Moving on from Yajiro, but... because literally I don't care about Yajiro. He's a sidekick. He is. Um, we then got the we then got the um, sort of interchange between Ishii and Kenta. Kenta walks off with the belt over his head and Ishii walks and beats the shit out of him. So we are getting that again at Power Struggle. Are you excited, Chris, for Ishii versus Kenta and Goto versus Jay White? I'm, I'm excited for Ishii versus Kenta. Goto versus Jay White come back to me. I don't know. I'm sort of sick of Goto versus Jay White. Like, Goto is just sort of the chaos forward. I thought that was Yoshihashi. Well, Yoshihashi's been gone the last few months, so Goto sort of took over that place, and Yoshihashi's back, and now he's the forward to the forward. And, I don't know. Like, the G1 match was good. What did they give out? They gave out an 8, didn't they? Um, yes, I believe so. In their G1, 8. Yeah. Yeah, and but then they're fucking this match before Dentaki and I gave it a six. I think it was a nothing match. Yeah, was this it was um wrestling in O'Cunny. Yeah. But in fact sounds like an RPG. <laughs> what do you want to give the six man tag then? I gave it a five. It's a five, it's serviceable. Yeah, I agree. Like each although um the highest rating match has ever given um Takahashi is four point two five against um Tanahashi, which to be fair back in twenty twelve you can't have at least four stars of Tanahashi you're fucking useless. So. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Right, so a little bit of a backstory then to King of Pro Wrestling as we head into these last three matches. Um, unfortunately, John Moxley and Zack Sabre Jr. were unable to attend King of Pro Wrestling because of the enormous typhoon that had happened prior. Um, again, hopefully everyone is okay. Um, I don't know the damage of the typhoon, but um, it stopped Moxley getting to the uh, to Japan, and it stopped Sabre as well, uh, meaning that Moxley was stripped of the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship, meaning that the next match was to crown the seventh champion, and it meant that we were definitely going to have a new champion, as Lance Archer defeated Juice Robinson in 14 minutes and 58 seconds with the EBD claw. Lance Archer has a championship. That is the biggest reward for having a fucking mint G1 I've ever heard. Brilliant stuff. Yeah. If it it went on Juice again, I'd probably scream because he's very much go to win that championship right now. Can we just talk about Juice's hat for a minute? What the fuck was he wearing? It looks like he literally just killed a rabbit and put it on his head. It looked like he'd been camping and just turned up to the arena and went, oh shit, I'm on now. Ah, I'll just go out in this. In the G1, he started coming out in like a bucket hat. It looked like he'd just come from a Stone Roses game. Either that or it looked like he was trying to be the anti-Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> so, the someone... anti-Taker. I'd, I'd love to. Oh, no, I'd love to take credit for this, but someone called him the Thundertaker, 
which that was it then. That was like, that's fucking great. That should be his gimmick. Um, but who would Japan's Kane be? Say again, sorry, who would New Japan's Kane be? No, like Juice Robinson, like Juice Robinson's brother of construction. I've got, um, well, I mean, it's got to be David Finley, surely. No, it has to be someone he hates and then sometimes begrudging tags with. Um, Moxley? Maybe, but like Moxley's too good to be Kane. That is true. That's true. Hey, don't diss Kane. What the fuck's wrong with you? Um, so, this match, Chris, what did you think? It's really fun. It's probably as good as you're going to get with Juice and not an amazing worker. Like, Arch is great, but he's not sort of an Ibushi or a Naito or a Okada or even a Goto. But, like, he's big and does cool shit, and that's why I like him. Um, he is a, he's very, very, very Undertaker, isn't he? Like, extremely Undertaker. He he still moves tremendously for a man his size. But, yeah, I under, I understand what you mean. Um, I mean, he's old still. The fact that he made this, because, obviously, originally this was going to be just a normal match, and then Lance Archer took the microphone and said that, you know, these people played for a no-DQ match, so we're going to give them a no-DQ match. Juice said yes. He did also mention that he was going to turn it into his murder mohawk mansion, I believe were the exact words, which is no. no. He's really he's in a, um, in a country where probably half the audience can't understand what the fuck he's saying. Which is probably for the best, because that's dreadful, and hopefully that never happens. So, yeah. That was pretty dire. Like, luckily, he's in a promotion where you're not often having to do promos in front of the crowd. Yeah. So it's not that big a hindrance for him. But also, never speak again. I like you when you when you're silent but deadly. Yeah, like exactly. Anytime you reference Murderhawk Mansion, just just <laughs> stop. To be honest, I think they mostly did um, the um, no DQ thing, so they could keep a lot of the spots from. Um, the marketing match, either that or it's easier just to bollocks your way through her. I think that's probably more what it is, the fact that it's easier just to sort of hash, to, not hash together, that's not fair, but Lance Archer literally got in to Japan that day, so they wouldn't have had a lot of time to piece together a proper match, a proper engaging match, so to make it no DQ, you've got the high spots, you know, you've got the tables in the corner, you've got Juice <laughs> cannonballing Lance Archer through a table, you've got Archer literally putting chairs in the corner and ramming him into it. You've got the story with Juice's hand. So it's it's easier to piece together a no-DQ match, I think. Um, that choke slam through the table at the beginning, that's the cleanest break I've ever seen for a Japanese table. Yeah, it, it was, wasn't it? Nobody expected that to break. It was brilliant. And I was like, ah, I'm surprised, but also disappointed because Juice didn't fucking die. He was out for a long time, though. A long time. Because he just walked around the ring and took off all the, all the ring posts. But he sold it, which is absolutely what he needed to do. I enjoyed the ending of this match as well, with everything on the chairs. There was a fade to black. Is that what he calls it? The fade to black? No, blackout. Yeah. I'm sorry. Blackout. He takes juice. Which is also what causes curb stomp. Say again. It's also what Seth Rollins causes curb stomp, so that's a bit... Ah, there nah. you go. Copyright. Um. So... Lance Archer piles all the chairs up in the ring and takes Juice, hits him with the blackout onto the chairs. Juice kicks out. 
Archer's reaction is brilliant. He literally takes Juice's head and smashes it repeatedly into the chairs on the floor before then applying the EBD claw. I loved that ending. It was just brutish. It was brilliant. This, this struck me a lot like, well, like with the exception of some bigger bumps, like an old territory blood match, blood feed match. Yeah, like absolutely. Lala Dundee or uh, Terry Funk Flair. Although, um, I, if that's because Cody was sort of doing that with the US title where he was wrestling a very NWA style. That's what the US title becomes. I'm all fucking for that. It's going to be interesting to see who challenges Lance Archer at Wrestle Kingdom because... But, oh, it's, I was about to say it's Finley, but I guess that's, that's probably going to be tag league final, isn't it? I can't imagine. I mean... Uh... Cutting to the chase, Archer continues to beat Juice up after the bell, even though he's been crowned the new US champion. David Finlay arrives, and yes, it is absolutely brilliant to see him. He's been out since on a rising in February with a shoulder injury. Um, he's looking far leaner than he was, um, and, you know, a little bit more tattooed, so well done. Uh, he sees off Lance Archer, hitting him with a stunner. Um, comes to the aid of Juice Robinson, who has sold the beat down fantastically. You know, didn't know David Finley had saved him, didn't know he was there. They hug it out. It's sort of implied that the next challenger to the US Championship is going to be David Finley. But it's not. I mean, I, I just had a couple of issues with this. Wrestle Kingdom, okay, unless they potentially put this on Power Struggle, which they still might. David Finley versus Lance Archer is not a Wrestle Kingdom sexy match, is it? No. But then again, a lot of Archer matches wouldn't be an absolute sexy match. You say that, but then look at the matches he had with pretty much everyone, even Farley on the, in no, the G1. The Farley, the Farley, you can't, I can't defend the Farley match. But, I guess, but I'll, yeah, I keep forgetting that Archer's good now. It, it's difficult, and honestly, I will I will defend that Farley match. That was probably Farley's best match of the G1. Yeah, but that's like saying, I don't know, back the coffee you have after eating a massive pile of shit is the best coffee you've ever had. And it pro- comparatively, it probably fucking is. Because, like, anything to take the taste of shit out of your mouth. The fuck are you on about? <laughs> Farley is a massive pile of shit. And Lance Archer is the gum used to cover up that shit. <laughs> um, the second thing, what? The second issue I had with this was, did the return of Finley sort of take the shine off the fact that Archer had just won the championship? I thought that as well. I was sort of like, this should be a bigger moment, really. But he just sort of scuppered off. I mean, I know he's a heel. I know he's supposed to be this horrible, dominant, nasty bastard, but... Even so, I mean, you, you could have afforded him a little bit more than that. I can't hear Nasty Bastard anymore without imagining Pax voice. <laughs> nasty but No, that's Yorkshire. I can't do Geordie. We'll ask Garth to do it next time we're all on the podcast. <laughs> I thought you were about to offer me some fucking tea there. <laughs> um, I gave it seven. I don't think it was quite as good as Suzuki versus Liger, um, but considering it must have been pieced together on the day, and, it's you know... Fun. As they were going... Yeah, and Archer, the improvement in the man is unbelievable. I think Juice, despite the fact that without a beard, he looks about three. Yeah, he doesn't look good without the beard. No, like, it sort of played like... into the whole, I'm too young to be doing this thing with Lance Archer 
like thing that they are going on. I'm too I'm too baby faced, but even so, fucking hell. Put grow the beer bad juice, please. For all that I'm is holy. Dread. I actually now miss the dreads. I don't miss the I love the dreads. I don't miss I don't miss them as much as his facial hair. I just think he looks ridiculous without facial hair. Yeah, he looks just too fair, it's Juice Robinson. He looks ridiculous in general. <laughs> True. Well, yeah, there is he, that, I suppose. He should really just go back to the tights, shouldn't he? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, because like, it was originally like a match man thing, but then he just kept it going. <laughs> and it's sort of like, come on, mate. Are you all right with seven for this, then? I'm all right for seven, yeah. Brilliant. We then move on to match eight. So the IWGP Heavyweight Championship right to challenge contract match with... Kota Ibushi, the current rights holder, defeating his challenger, Evil, in 24 minutes and 5 seconds with a Kamagoye. And I think I'm right in saying this, Chris, that this was exactly what everyone anticipated an Ibushi-Evil singles match being. Yeah, exactly. And it's not to downplay either man. Like, Ibushi probably my favourite guy in New Japan right now. But also... We've seen this match. We saw it in the G1. I'm pretty sure we saw it in the cup. I think we saw it in the cup. Not this cup. We've seen it in a cup. I still love this match. No, we haven't. They did actually say on commentary that this is the second singles match between the two and they're currently one and one. Oh, okay. Well, they're one and... Uh, oh, yeah, because even one in the... Okay, never mind. Um, I thought he was saying that's the record going in. I was like, where did the Mysterious One come from? No. But... Um... I mean, I say it was an Ibushi Evil match, and I don't, again, like you said, I don't want to downplay it. It was brilliant. Evil had a match, like, with someone of Ibushi's side, Evil has a match that he has. Yeah, I mean, Evil's been having fantastic singles matches recently. In fact, I can't, the last bad match I I remember Evil having singles-wise was his match against Goto at the New Beginning 2018. I think when um, Lij and Chaos had that thing, um, and that was the last bad match he had. This was great, and you're right. Evil size advantage against someone like Ibushi, it's so much better for him to work on top. <laughs> well, hey, well, hey. Um, tell him a sex tape. <laughs> what way? <well, hey. laughs> no, work on top. <laughs> I think no ways for you. Yes, just just one word. Wahey. <laughs> Three stars, <laughs> mate. That's that's far too generous. It's it's a dud at most. <laughs> if I don't get my, it's, it's like fucking um, what is it's like Baron Corbin. If it's not going into minus, yeah, he's happy. Just not rated. <laughs> it's like it's like when I hand in an essay that I just patched together. It's like, if I get anything above an F, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Opinion of this match, Chris? It was good. Um, the Bronco Buster counter was probably my move of the night. Oh my god. Ridiculous. So, Ibushi is sitting in the corner and Evil goes for his patented Bronco Buster. And Ibushi somehow manages to fire out of the top of it and then double stomp Evil. And it was just, it was one of those moments that made you go, fucking hell, Ibushi is good. And I wouldn't like, because I know Kofi Kingston does sort of the same double stomps that Ibushi does, but like, Ibushi actually connects with it, like, Kofi sort of goes off to the side. Yeah, absolutely. I like, thought. Jesus Christ. 
Abushi, I think it's because he's so small that he can get away with it, but he looks like he caves fucking chest in. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Um, I thought everything these two did was brilliant. The lariat exchange, the suplex exchanges, the fact that Evil was completely no-selling a lot of Kota Ibushi's offense, um, and then Evil literally just lariating the living shit out that's, of Ibushi. That's one thing I didn't like, because um, Evil kicked out of Kamigoye, and then he went into directly another Kamigoye. Right now, Kamigoye is a move that needs to be protected going into Wrestle Kingdom. I am 100% behind you. I Evil is a bigger guy. Yes, absolutely. I thought like when, the storyline of I thought the storyline like no of Lance did. Archer kicking out of it at the G one that worked. That, that was ages away from um, Ibushi's um, Wrestle Kingdom um, G one victory or Wrestle Kingdom match. Whereas right now, this is what Ibushi's last. This is probably Ibushi's last finals match going into the G one. Not going into Wrestle Kingdom, and it's probably he's probably only has two more matches. Like he will have a couple of tag matches going into Wrestle Kingdom. Oh no, he has a match at Power Struggle, doesn't he? Uh, Ibushi, yeah. yes, in a tag match. Yeah, right. So like he only has a few matches left. So like I, I don't know it's probably not actually going to be a massive deal going in, but like it's sort of one low point of the match for me was for kicking out of the Kamigoye. Yeah, I don't think Evil needed that. Whereas Lance Archer had built him as the dominant force, you know, it's built him as this singles behemoth. I don't think Evil needed that. You know, he'd already dominated the match for the vast majority of it, um, you know, with his power game. I don't think he needed to then kick out of the Kamigoi, which is effectively a knee to the face. Um, I, just, I just loved Evil no-selling that lariat. Just that moment where Bushi comes off the ropes and absolutely leathers evil across the chest and evil just stood there and proper turned Ibushi inside out with one of his own it was just it was that moment that I was like fucking hell this is a good match uh, you know inside that evil was actually screaming he's like oh my fuck out, out. <laughs> my collarbone <laughs> um it just turned to dust this in my in my opinion I enjoyed this as much as their G1 match However, because I knew Evil wasn't winning, it does take away from it ever so slightly. Not a lot, because, you know, I could watch Ibushi and Evil in the ring all day, every day. You know, I love both of them, but it just took away from me, just took it away from me a little bit. And you're absolutely right with the Kamigoye thing. Evil doesn't need to kick out of that. And with Wrestle Kingdom being so close and with what is being slated to happen at Wrestle Kingdom, he shouldn't be kicking out of it. Yeah, no. It's still an amazing match, bro. Very, very good match. What did you give it? Nine. See, I gave it an eight only because I didn't... I don't know if I'm being slightly too harsh. Let's give it a nine. I'm in a positive mood. Let's give it a nine. I'm I'm happy with that. So we then move on to the main event and we... It's the IWGP Heavyweight Championship match, um, which we've already seen three times this year, four including this. And Kazuchika Okada defeats Sonata in 36 minutes and 21 seconds with the Rainmaker. Now, Chris, before this match, there was a lot of, not discontent, because that's not fair, but there was a lot of people who say, we've seen this a lot recently. There's no way Sonata is beating Okada. 
So why do this match again now? And there was talk of them trying to turn Sonada into what Okada was to Tanahashi. So they're trying to make him that that rival, that one person. But then he keeps losing. <laughs> you know, he's got a 7-1 and one record against Okada. That's not a rival. That's someone who can't get the job done. Now, for me, and I've already said this to you off air, the fact that Sonada was never winning this match took me out of it instantly. No matter how good that match was. And trust me, that op- I would put that opening sequence between the two of them against any match of the last five years. Oh yeah, that fucking opening was amazing. The fact that they actually went through, the commentary team again did a fantastic job. Also, where the fuck did Gambino go and when did Rocky take over? No, I think it was it was after the junior match. Was it? Because I honestly, <laughs> I was it was halfway through the Ibushi and Evil match, and I just sort of that's Rocky Romero. <laughs> Bullet Club was basically done for the night, and they were like, "Well, there's no use having the Bullet Club guy there anymore." Fair enough. Um, but yeah, the fact that they were saying like, "Oh, well, Sonada knows that Okada's dropkick is one of his, you know, one of his most prime weapons, so he keeps out of the way of it. He scouted it." Um, the fact I loved there was a moment, and this is later on in the match, but I just I have to say it where Okada goes for a tombstone, and Sonada manages to lock in while still in the position of the tombstone, manages to lock in a skull end at the same time, and I just yeah. I loved that. I really, really did. I thought this match was this match was excellent. It was great. Um, there was a point in the skull end because it happens a lot in Sonata Okada matches. The skull end is applied a fair bit near the end of the match, and um, I genuinely thought Okada had lost in that moment where the referee he was in yeah. it for ages and ages, wasn't he? And he fucking passed out, and the referee was doing it. And then, like, I like the story of if Sonata had just kept in, he'd have probably won. But then he was getting frustrated, so hit the moon cell, and then the stuff. Um, I forget who it was. It was probably Charlton if I liked it. Um, the three count woke up Okada. I like that. Yeah, the sound of the referee probably awoke. Yeah, woke Okada up. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I like the fact that Sonata was portrayed as that person who got over eager. You know, did he have to go for that second moonsault? Probably not. If he'd just gone for the one moonsault, the chances are he'd probably won. If he'd just locked in the skull end and kept it in, he probably would have won. But that overzealousness and to be perfectly honest that pre-match promo where he got all the pictures up on the wall and that one picture left I thought that was fantastic it built into the story now for me Chris this means that at some point Sonada has to win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship if this is the story route they're going and New Japan never ever ever do anything without a reason if they're going this route with it, surely Sonada has to win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at some point. I'm not saying next year. I'm not saying, you know, at Wrestle Kingdom 14, for goodness sake. Obviously not. But at some point, surely also, a run is coming. It also has to be from Okada, which is weird because you now have two LIJ people who need to win the title and it needs to be from Okada. Yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree. Now... One of my favourite moments in New Japan is Wrestle Kingdom 9 when Okada, having lost to Tanahashi, bursts 
Oh, but I thought you were going to say finally wins. Okay, bursts no, no, no. <laughs> bursts into tears, and it's just such a moment where you just realise everything the man has gone through, and he hasn't got the job done. And Sonada, you a man who I think it's better coming from Sonada, who you know many people have criticised that outside of Japan, he's he's got you know he doesn't say anything, he's got no facial expressions. This man who is you know cold skull bursts. <laughs> openly into tears and just kneels and just sobs because again he was so close and ultimately the mistakes that he made has led to him not going into Wrestle Kingdom as the champion and that moment and again it's that parallel between him and Okada and Tanahashi and Okada now I'm not saying that the feud will be as iconic as the Tanahashi Okada feud I'm you know that was a once in a lifetime thing, but to be fair, standard match quality is pretty similar between these. The standard mostly. match quality between these two is absolutely phenomenal. Like, absolutely the, phenomenal. Like the over under like nine is going to be, and it's going to be between eight and ten of these two lock up. Yeah, I mean, the worst match between these two for me was their Dontaku match, and that was still a solid ten. Well, no, um, was it a nine? I think it was a nine. Um, and also, well, if we count them this year. Actually, no, I preferred the one uh, um Road to... Not Road to, uh, um... What's, what's the fucking... New Be- Avenue Beginning. Yeah. 2018. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was a good match as well. They just... They can't have a bad match together. And I just... I love... I love that they're doing this with Sonata. Yes, he's lost again. And yes, people will argue yeah, that there was no, no point in doing it here. I love the storyline that... The, because they built a storyline into it. Because they knew, well, Akada's not dropping it here. Okay, mm. everyone knows a card is not dropping here. We need to give them something to grab onto. We need to give the fans something to grab onto. And I really was invested in this match. I knew he wasn't going to win. It didn't stop my heart breaking when the poor man is sat there on all fours sobbing with Okada just looking at him as though to go, I've been there, man. I know exactly what it feels like. They shook hands at the end. What a fucking send-off. Like, honestly, if Sonata was in a smaller organisation, he'd be ace. He's just so good. His in-ring work is phenomenal. And the fact that he is in there with... I don't want to... You know, I don't want to make any sweeping statements, but one of the best pro wrestlers ever in Okada. The best in the world right now. I can't think of anyone who's being more consistent. Osprey, I guess. But, like, Osprey also is a top guy. I would argue that even though Osprey's had a much better year, you know, he's had astonishing matches... I would argue Okada tells a better story. Well, yeah, because that's basically been all of Okada's run, is telling the stories. So. It's a very King's Road way of doing things, actually. Yeah. In fact, he was an old Japan dojo guy, wasn't he, Okada? Uh, oh, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. Oh, no, Sonada was, because Sonada was under Muto. That's right. Yes. Yeah, he was. What do you think about all this, Chris? Because I've pretty well, much spouted off my entire, you know, not love for the storyline, but, you know, how they've built in a certain loss into this fantastic story that I personally enjoy. It's probably going to get slated by everybody else, but I don't give a shit. I like it. What about you? No, I'm really, really enjoying this. Like, if, I, I don't care how many hands I see it, but they're always very interesting matches. They're always like, we are like games of chess, and at any point, it's like the old 90s King Road, King Road stuff. At any point, you know which wrestler's on top. 
Like, it's not like a traditional back and forth. It's more um, one person will have their goal of being on top, the other person will have their goal. And, like, they add these little things because they get to know each other more. It's not a fast, exciting match. Like, if you're looking for an Omega or Cardi, you're going to fucking hate it. Like, they're very slow, very build-up-y matches, apart from the beginning of this one. Uh, like this Sensational. Absolutely. Like, and they only did that because they know each other, and Sonata knows that the shorter the match goes, the more likely he is to win. Yeah. Like, he, he needs, basically needs to out-maneuver um, Okada. Yeah, the thing is, I can see Sonata being a future ace. He strikes me as someone New Japan would push his ace. Because he's very Okada-like in terms of look. That's what I mean, but not just in look, in moveset as well in certain ways. And I think that's what they're sort of trying <laughs> yeah. to play on. Apart from the moonsault, there's not, and even the moonsault isn't all that flashy. There's nothing flashy about him. He's just a, well, he's just a good fighter. He's very good. He's very consistent. He's quick in the ring. And I think, yeah, the whole Okada wanting him to be his rival and saying, come on, man, step up. I want you to be here because ultimately... I can see a little bit of me in you. And I want to give you the chance that I got, but you need to beat me. And, you know, just that that one win at the G1, you know, that was all Sonata needed for his confidence, but where this is going to knock him, we don't know. How long it is now before he gets another IWGP heavyweight championship shot, we don't know. But obviously... If they don't do MSG again, I should doubt it. Well, if they don't do, like, an American arena again, um, I'm pretty, I think he might win the cup. He could do. I mean, I think they'll sit off him next year. He's had a lot of opportunities this year. I mean, he got through to the New Japan Cup final. Um, he's had, what is this? Is this three attempts at the championship now? So, um, Yeah, well, two attempts this year, but yeah. And if, you know, what we're going to talk about in a moment from New Japan, uh, sorry, the Wrestle Kingdom 14 press conference if you know everything that we think is going to come to pass comes to pass and Naito comes out of Wrestle Kingdom as champion Sonada isn't going to be challenging Naito no maybe that's the thing maybe we're having Okada go above the Dele J guys um, so it so they can have a better build in for Naito and maybe that, I think that contentment could be built there I can see if they keep this sort of be my rival thing going I can see Sonada back into chaos I can see that. I can see that. Or, we've been talking about how there's going to be a power vacuum for Suzuki Gun. I don't think... I mean, he's got that cold persona that could potentially be... But that's not what Suzuki Gun are about. Suzuki Gun aren't about cold. They're just about, you know, disruption and things like that. You look at the other members of that. It was Kojima Gun before then, so like shit changes, depending on leader. Like, look how many different iterations Bullet Club's been in, and they've all been pretty different. Okay. I'm just saying, I can see, I can see Sonata, like, some big development happening with Sonata with the next few months. Mm-hmm. It's weird, like, isn't it's it? Honestly, because anyone... Just Go on. Evil, I'm going to be a bit disappointed. Yeah. Oh, God. It's... it. This is, this is what I mean. I mean, for me, it's a 10. Um, I I'd give it I give it a nine, but I think that's because a lot of this was very similar to their um cut match. Right. Okay. So, do we go positive? I, I, 
I'm going to allow you to overrule me because I've overruled you on like three matches so far. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, obviously, the match ended. Okada sent us all home, having called out Ibushi. That match is now set for the opening night of Wrestle Kingdom 14. So, overall, a good show, a really good show. No titles changing hands, apart from, obviously, the United States title, but that was always going to, with it being vacated. Um, yeah, overall, a really, really good night. Um, still lots of questions to be asked, obviously, as we get into Power Struggle and, you know, the World Tag League final and things like that. We will have a clearer picture of what Wrestle Kingdom will look like. Speaking of Power Struggle, we've already gone through that some matches have been announced for that. The main event, more than likely, will be the IWGP Intercontinental Championship match between Jay White and Goto. Um, there will be a never open weight championship match between Kenta and Tomohiro Ishii. There will be a special singles match between Naito and Taichi. Um, there will then be a special tag match with Okada and Yoshihashi taking on Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. And then, obviously, we've got the Super Junior Tag League Final. Any of that tickle you, Willie? Um, no, not really. Kenta and Ishii, maybe, but, like, most of it sort of, like, repeats out of matches that I don't much care for. I, I'm, I'm glad Taichi's getting a singles match. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I mean, we'll obviously review it and we'll obviously watch it. Um, we weren't we weren't overly enthralled with last year's power struggle, if you remember. But last year's power struggle yeah. was actually a little bit of a pocket rocket. If you remember, we had yeah, Ishii well, versus Suzuki, which was one of my matches of the year. Yeah, and also Jericho probably had his second best run of, um, match of his New Japan run. Yeah, against Evil for the for the IC title. So again, it. it <sighs> It's going to be a good event. You know, I trust Jay White to provide us with a great match. Um, Goto, I mean, Goto isn't taking that title. I mean, we'll have another good laugh over his shirt. We'll have another good laugh over his shirt. I have never a question not, now, Chris. Until he Go on. Shirt, we're never not going to bring it up. No, that shirt is the worst thing in the world, and we will persist on saying that. I have a question, Chris. Uh-huh. Ishii isn't winning the Never Openweight title. Kenta is keeping it. Which begs the question, is Shibata coming back? I fucking, I really hope so. Like, yeah. I, we've heard literally nothing about it since um, the G1. But to be fair, he took very, very careful bumps at the G1. Like he, The biggest bump he took was him delivering his corner drop kick. He held nothing back there, though. True. Chris, Chris, we talked about earlier, New Japan don't do anything for no reason. Very true. But also, like, I think that, that the reason might have just been they needed Kent to be an ultra heel. No, there was no need for that, though. People in New Japan no. fucking hated Kent. I mean, if, if he was still being cheered, yes, throw Shibata in there. But he wasn't. He was being booed. You heard the reaction he got at the G1. Oh, yeah. People fucking... Jesus Christ. <laughs> Apparently, um, they were saying... He wasn't having boring matches, Kenta, but people were still saying... In Japan, were still saying he was having boring matches, allegedly. Oh, no. His match with the card was fucking great. It's, yeah, and also his match with um, Abushi was great. His match with Osprey was a bit naff. Uh, you're not Meltzer, but... Yeah. I mean, I, did, I didn't enjoy that match, personally. Not exactly horrible styles, are they? No. But that's, that's by the by, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I'm sure 
because ultimately I can't see who Kenta takes on at Wrestle Kingdom because in my opinion he's retaining that title at Power Struggle. You say that, but like when was the last time you had more than like a two defense train on the never open like I mean, yeah, but there's no storyline for Ishii to win it. There's no reason for Ishii to win it. Kenta wins it. You know, you've got that Shibata thing, if that's happening. If not, Shibata who the fuck else is going to come? Who else is going to attack? Yoshihashi? Yoshihashi in a prevalent spot on the Wrestle Kingdom card? He wasn't even on the main card last year. I would boycott Wrestle Kingdom. No, I wouldn't. But um, maybe Shibata brings in someone. What, as a proxy? Yeah, like Shibata's like, well, beat this guy. Nakamura. Oh, fuck. Fuck, I would actually beat them. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be amazing. It's not going to be Nakamura, but it would be amazing if it was. Well, maybe, I'm trying to, th- I don't actually know contract updates about it, but like if you brought in someone big from Noah, maybe. Um, maybe an LA Dojo guy. Maybe, I mean, it could be Kawato, he could be coming back. Oka? <laughs> he comes from his mountain. <laughs> I forgot about his mountain storyline. That's amazing. Um, I really that... Go on, sorry. I really, really hope that's an actual storyline and not just something I've dreamt up. <laughs> um, one one match we can sort of speculate a little bit on is obviously we mentioned that Power Struggle is the final of the Super Junior Tag League. Um, they've all been announced and the first show was actually today the 16th of october the competitors are as follows uh, Rapongi 3k the suzuki goon team of yoshinobu kanemaru and el desperado the birds of prey in will osprey and robbie eagles taiji ishimori and el fantasmo we've then got rocky romero and taguchi we've got the cmll team of volador jr and titan tiger mask and Yuya, Yuya Uimura, and always have trouble saying that name. None of the others, his name. And TJP and Clark Connors. Some interesting teams there, Chris. Um, who's winning that? Probably Rapunzel 3K. Let's be fucking real with that. <sighs> I really, really <laughs> don't want it to be Rapunzel 3K. It's not going to Osprey's for the champ, um, the junior champ, so he's not going to win. And he's taking that into Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, to be fair, I wouldn't be surprised if we did another fucking triple threat. I hope they don't, because it does negate these tournaments. And whereas the G1 and the best of the Super Juniors is a pleasure to sit through for the most part, it is a long, hard fucking winter to get through winter, uh, World Tag League. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to lie, I can't summon a New Japan subscription from like dis- post-destruction post King of Pro Wrestling onwards because this who is Tag League. <laughs> well, I've got something else to ask you actually re- regarding post power struggle actually. Um I mean you look at the teams that are in you're absolutely right, unless they do because obviously there's two nights to Wrestle Kingdom. You have got Birds of Prey potentially going for the tag titles on one night and Will Ospreay defending the title on another night. I think the Birds of Prey will be in the final. Well, yeah. Um, to be honest, I, it's a Bullet Club because Fantasma is probably um, out in the wilderness right now. So, like, that would be a decent win. I mean, then you look... Well, at... they're... Oh, they're like, so they'd have some name on Challenger. 
That'd be quite interesting. That would, but also... Yeah, I guess. Who who do they pick both? That's a good point. That's a good point. Unless you have someone returning at Wrestle Kingdom, like you say, like Kawato, something like that, teaming with someone. A um, couple of interesting picks. I like the name... Um, the coaches, obviously Romero and Taguchi, I like that team, and I love the idea of TJP and Clark Connors. That could be a very, very, very good tag team. I just love the idea of TJP spending more time in um, New Japan, to be honest, because we do still need some more junior bodies. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, Go on, sorry. Especially, uh, just saying, especially with Liger fucking up, and TJP. Fucking good. You forget. You forget who he is, but he's actually amazing. Yeah, I mean, he's had a great Super Jacob, and apparently his showing in the shows in America were extremely good on the Fighting Unleashed, uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed tour. So, do you know what? Yes, I'm all for TJP in New Japan, and Clark Connors is fucking great. So, yeah, the, the Super Junior Tag League looks at least a little bit interesting. Before we get into... More interesting. Go on. More interesting than last year. Far more interesting than last year. But then again, we should have an out-and-out winner this year as opposed to people just inserting them fucking selves. Um, both. Happened with both tag leagues. It did. That with both tag leagues. That was so annoying. So, Especially as we had to sit through that terrible Gorillas of Destiny versus a Evil and Sonata match for the fucking Young Bucks to walk down. You didn't take part in World Tag League, Young Bucks. You shouldn't get to choose. I mean, you weren't asked, which is baffling but there we are um so chris <laughs> apparently you know how the winter used to be that off season for new japan you know we got world tag league and it was a nice little rest for everyone no 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 we've still got two more american shows left yeah that's weird because we did the east coast and now we, no we did the west coast and now we're doing the east coast no you were right it's the other way around oh for fuck's sake your geography's shite Right, all right, okay. Fucking, I know north and south. That's basically <laughs> that's all I need to know. Um, so yeah, <laughs> down there. <laughs> yeah, we've got two shows on the 9th and the 11th of November. Uh, one in San Jose and the other in Las uh, Los Angeles. Nothing announced yet, obviously, because it's New <laughs> Japan. Right. Just there's going to be nothing, is there? With the exception of their first show, like I'd, like um, the first um, Strong Style Evolved show, that wasn't announced until the fucking week of, wasn't it? Well, that's the problem, and I can't... I haven't got numbers to what? hand, but I can't imagine what? tickets are selling well. Well, where are we running? Actually, how much... I'm going to check how much tickets are while you tell me okay. where... Well, my thought was, if they're building up a Lance Archer versus David Finlay thing, why not do it on one of these shows? That's probably your best bet, to be honest. And then have, no offence to David Finlay at all, but have a legitimate competitor then at Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, you could have a Lance Archer versus Goto, for example. I wouldn't hate seeing that. Right, so tickets of his eyes... Three hundred dollar um dollar ringside, and then thirty dollars is the smallest amount you're spending with like the best decency being around eighty hundred dollars. Right, I mean that's, that's a, standard fare, isn't it? Really, it's cheaper in fucking California, believe it or not. Although ringside is sold out in California. Yeah, I, I just, they don't need to do these shows. No. 
they really don't. Like, to be fair, and Tag League is like four days later, so like whoever's appearing on both shows are going to be shattered. And it's it's pretty much everyone that's not in the main event. I mean, yes. Evil and Sonada are going to be in it. There might be a junior defense. Yeah, potentially. Um, yeah, tag defense, probably. I suppose you could like have an open still... weight defense, maybe. Yeah. Um... They're not going to have IC there, surely. You say that, there was, uh, there's been like no title defenses for a lot of the recent US shows. Mm. We're probably going to be skippable if we're being honest with ourselves. Well, to be honest, there's absolutely no record at the moment as we talk. In fact, I'm going to have a look now because when I checked this morning, there was no record of these being live or on World. To be, I probably didn't because they did that fucking annoying thing recently where they had it be fight exclusive for the nine days or whatever. That's a good point. I'll have a look. I'm just going to have a look on World now as we speak because we're fucking professionals um, to see if. <laughs> on the live schedule to see if it's going to be on or not. Um, so, hang on, the Globe Theatre, that's where PWG runs, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's not mentioned at all. It goes straight from um, Power Struggle to King of Pro Wrestling. Uh, not King of Pro Wrestling, sorry, World Tag League. I'd probably watch the LA show because that's going to be a PWG crowd in the Globe Theatre. Mm, yeah, probably. PWG shows are often worth watching just because of the crowd because they're just willing to go along with everything. I don't know if I'll watch it, if I'm perfectly honest. But we'll see. We'll, well, we'll have to watch it for the review. But... And that's about it. Yeah, we'll see. Um, anyway, final thing, Chris, before we let these lovely, lovely listeners go, is that we had the Wrestle Kingdom 14 press conference, and lots of interesting things came from it. The first is that Okada and Ibushi will main event night one, and that Okada has said he is absolutely fine headline um defending on both nights i think we are pretty much 100 percent getting this mini tournament yeah i think that the chances are we are going to get naito versus switchblade on this first night as well and i think that naito will get the intercontinental title on the first night and then we'll defeat okada on the second night that's my opinion. That's what I think will happen. Um, I just think, you know, there's, you've got to give Naito something. Um, I'll ask you your opinion in a second because I'll get you to do that and the Liger thing as well. Now, they also announced that Jushin Thunder Liger will have matches on both nights, which I think is excellent. Um, and I think the chances are what is or what has been announced, should I say, is that on night one, it will be an eight-man tag, which I will announce the names in a moment. And then on the second night, on January the 5th, he will have a singles match as Jushin Thunder Liger. So no Kishin Liger, no Battle Liger. It will just be Jushin Thunder Liger, a singles match. That is yet to be announced. The eight-man tag, which will take place on the 4th, is the team of Jushin Thunder Liger, Tatsumi Fujinami, the great Sasuke, and Tiger Mask with El Samurai taking on the team of Noaki Sano, Sinjiro Utani, Tatsuhito Takaiwa, and Raisuke of all the people to get fucking tripped up on. Do you say a podcast? Risuke Taguchi with Kanuaki Kobayashi? 
I think I've said that right, with the special referee, Norio Hanaga. Fucking hell. How many names in this ta- in this match? Jesus, it's like a it's like a hall of fame of all Liger's opponents. Yeah, with the exception of Ultima, which is but to be fair, he's in Dragon Gate now. He, he is. was like fucking Dragon Gate could loan out Ultima. For the sake of Jushin Liger, yeah, possibly. How yeah. good would that be if that was the fight if that was the match on the fifth? You say that. Ultima was sort of a greatest hits type dude right now. Yeah, but you know, Liger is fifty. I mean, yeah, is he going to be able to also, go twenty minutes with Hiromu? He he had a really really good match with Ishimori. Um, yeah, he did. You're right. Who's as quick as Hiromu? Okay, okay. I mean, are you certain that it's going to be Hiromu on that on that fifth of the January show? I can't think of many other people would want to see. To be fair, maybe Osprey. Like maybe have a who can he go out on um, with the championship dealia. I think that'd be a waste. I don't think you need anything aside from the fact that this is Liger's last singles match as it, it, any I, kind of hook. It needs to be someone who will, can forever go, yeah, I had his last match. And it can't be like a despicable heel who cheats. Basically, it can't be fucking Kurt Angle's last match. No, absolutely 100% not. Um, so, sorry, Kanemaru. Um, but, <laughs> I don't know, I, I don't know. This tournament, I think, is definitely happening, and I think Naito has got to walk out as double champion. The thing is, it's probably it's going to be like Naito versus JY, and then Anabushi versus Okada on night one, and then the winner, like probably Naito versus Okada on night two. I the don't hate is, that. You say that neither of the the Naito matches particularly tickles my fancy there, mostly because um, we've seen Okada versus JY a bit too much, like for one few that hadn't happened, and now it's just happened like twice in the past couple months okay. and it's gonna happen again no it's not it's I've had, then happened again but then also Naito and Okada's never had like a great match like they've had like their ceiling to need like an eight okay well so just far. think for a moment then you have the crushing defeat at Wrestle Kingdom 12 yeah that moment where oh. 40,000 people Thought, and that's not including everyone who was watching it on World, assuming Naito was going out and winning that title. To then have it snatched away from him, to then be back to that point, and the prospect of being the first ever New Japan Pro Wrestling double champion, okay? Holding the IC title and the heavyweight championship. That would be his legacy. The prospect of beating Okada, the man who humiliated him at Wrestle Kingdom 12 in front of the hottest Naito crowd you are ever going to see, to have that back again, that storyline is enough for me to want to to physically salivate. Don't get me wrong, the storyline I'm absolutely on board with is just sort of match quality I'm not talking about, and I'll probably be wrong and I'll probably fucking love it. But it's sort of like, I know, I, I was kind of the same last year going into Tana and Omega, and that's still one of the matches of the year. So, Holy shit, yeah, you're absolutely right. So, good God, there's been a lot to talk about today. Um, thank you for listening, everyone. Um, next week, we'll be back, um, presumably just doing some classic retro reviews. Um, I'm sure we'll pick up on the results as well of the Super Junior Tag League. We won't be watching 
any of it. We'll watch Power Struggle and we will review that for you. But I'm not matches. No, not happening. <laughs> <laughs> we'll watch matches. You can suggest matches to me, mate. Yes. Um, and what we'll do, ladies and gentlemen, is then, like I say, we'll review Power Struggle and then we'll break down how we're going to do World Tag League. Chris does not want to do World Tag League, so the chances are I will do it on my own, which is fine. I'm commenting on the booking. I'm not fucking watching. I did it last year, and I ended up not even having the time to do fucking a podcast and all of it. But I did watch all the fucking Tag League last year, and it was the worst wrestling experience of my life. It's so monotonous. There you go. Sell the podcast, Chris. Good stuff. No, <laughs> so, cool, so much cool shit during that time period, but no, fucking Tag League. Apparently, fucking, you're fine skipping it, Rob. You're probably going to see the lineup and go, well, that's shite. What, what the fuck is the New Japan Tag Team division right now? <laughs> we'll save that for another podcast, I think, because Jesus Christ, we could spend another 20 minutes talking about the state of the New Japan Tag League. Um, but yes, thank you so <laughs> well, much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we really do appreciate it. You can follow us on Twitter at at Podmania and at the Young Lion Cast. You can talk to me at at Real Rob Goodwin. Chris, where can they find you? At CandyChris97. Although, again, I never use that account. Just I'm probably the one operating the Podmania account. It's even me or Garth, no It's It's true, it is. Um, you can find us on Facebook at, at Podmania and again at Young Lion Cast. Check out the website www.podmania.co.uk where we've got all our archived match ratings, including our ratings for King of Pro Wrestling 2019, as well as all the archived podcasts and our universe mode, a new episode every single Monday at 7pm GMT. Uh, The Podmania podcast, which as Chris already mentioned, is a retro review of Progress Chapter 55 Chase the Sun, will be out on Saturday at 2pm GMT. Thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. And we will talk to you guys again soon.